All right, prayer. All earthly things with earth will fade away, but prayer grasps eternity. But I'm convinced of this, God does not hear prayer. He hears desperate prayer. Prayer is not a position, whether you need. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a secret into your heart that breaks you. And somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. Good morning. We're going through a series on prayer, and our key verse for this series is, Call to me, and I will answer you, and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Jeremiah 33, 3. Last week we talked about having a prayer of adoration, and just about pouring love, and all, all the just absolute deep connection we have through prayer and adoration. We have the funny example of, you know, you can, if, if you're a married man and you say something to a woman, you could say, uh, that's not your wife, and you say like, hey, you did a great job today. You're like, that's fine. But if you say, I adore you, that's not fine. I got eyes for my wife, just me talking about that. She's like, I'll kill you. I will. They'll never find you. Uh, this week, I want to talk about having a prayer of confidence. And our scripture this week is 1 John 5, 14 and 15. It says, Now this is the confidence we have before him. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we will have whatever we have asked him for. And this scripture is one of those that I have heard over and over and over again through the years from the preacher on TV with the slick back hair that looks more like a used car salesman than a preacher who says, you can pray and ask for it, but first send me $19.99 a month for the next 112 months. We say, just the Bible says it. It says, if you pray for it, it says, if we know that whatever he, he, what, uh, he hears us ask for, we know that we're going to have it. It says it in the Bible. And it's it's easy to twist words like that to where we're like, well, I'm going to pray for that new bass boat because it says it. Listen, I've prayed for a new bass boat. I'll own up to it. But guess what? It says, whenever we ask according to his will, he hears us. Whenever we ask according to his will. See, the confidence is a tricky thing. Has anybody ever seen, or you know, I've done this, and I'm sure you have too, but ever seen someone that was so confident and simultaneously so wrong? I was, I was at a sporting goods store yesterday, and there's a gentleman who had purchased a new crossbow, and had no idea what he was doing with it. And he's like, yeah, man, I've grown up with these things. I'm good. And was operating it wrong, asking all the wrong questions. And, like, the dude behind the counter was like, listen, you need to get online and take a class. You're going to kill someone. He's like, no, man, I got this. And I was like, Lord, thank you. He's not my neighbor. 
There's not going to be a living cat in his neighborhood for the next five years. But he was confident. He's like, man, I got, I got me a crossbow. I'm like Daryl from The Walking Dead. I'm like, you're going to be walking dead if you <laughs> don't use. But we can have confidence about something and still be wrong. But when we read it here, it says, now this is the confidence we have before him, him being Christ. We have confidence before God. When you get confidence, true, real confidence, not false confidence, not fake it till you make it confidence, not do this and hope this works confidence and seem like it's a good thing, not lying on your resume and going to figure it out on the job confidence. Because we've all had that type of confidence in our life. I know I have. Every day at work, I'm like, I really hope this fixes this car. Every day. And some of y'all are like, I let him work on my car. No, but not, not this fake confidence, this real confidence of knowing because it's been tried and true over and over again. This confidence that if I ask God for something and according to his will, I know that if it is truly his will, it's going to happen. And people think that there's some sort of magical theory to praying. I get asked this question quite often whether I was working with teenagers or I was teaching growth track. People would say, how do I become better at praying? How do I become a better prayer? And there's so many just answers that people could get that just sounds so cliche, and you're just like, well, you just got to sit there and just go for it and start talking to God, and, and, and it'll, you'll figure it out. That's, that, that, that's one way to do it, but let me tell you something. When I hear someone say, how do you become better at praying, I say, this is what I hear. When I would work church camp every year, I worked summer, I would work high school camp, middle school camp, and upper elementary school because lower elementary school week was not fun. Second graders are away from their mom for three days and have more pixie sticks and gobstoppers in them than a human should have is not a good combo. So I didn't work that week. Lori Johnson did, and she did fantastic. She's a better person than me. But hear me out. Middle school week, there was always two or three boys that would come up and just be like, how do I talk to this girl? And that's what I hear when people say, how do I become better praying? Because I would look at them and say, what is your goal here, man? Why do you want to become better at talking to this young lady? Well, well, you know, you know, I just go up to her and I try to speak and just nothing comes out. Or I go up and I try to speak to her and everything comes out. Or I feel like I'm just rambling on and on, and I'm, I can't get my point across. And it's like I rehearse this in my head, and I know what to do, and I, I feel like I know. But, like, I get up there, and I'm just like, I don't speak English anymore. With prayer and when we approach God, so many times we think that we have to say the exact right thing, that there's some sort of magical algorithm that, like, you say these words and this succession of order with this level of eloquency, that somehow our prayers will be more effective. And nowhere did it say, now with this elegance we have before him, now with this big word usage, now with this extremely long length of prayer over the lunch, it says confidence. Confidence. Because let me give you all an insight. Okay, I'm going to tell you something that I do 
And I promise you've done it if you pray at if you prayed at any point in time, you've done this. You know, a lot of times I do my devotions on my commute to work. I listen to a podcast, pray in my truck, do that. And time and time again, I've been silently praying in my head, and all of a sudden, two or three minutes later, I realize I've just daydreamed off and stopped praying. Well, you're just like, oh, I'm sorry, God, I was totally talking to you just then. I just wandered off in my own head. And we think that, like, somehow that makes us less of a praying person because we have ADD. Let me give you a secret. Everybody's got ADD. Everybody. We all got it. We all got cell phones. We got all got short attention spans. Everybody has had their thoughts wander off while they're praying. It's a thing. You're not less of a lover of Christ because it happened to you. Let me tell you something. When I talk to my dad, I have a level of confidence where I can say whatever I need to to my dad. And sometimes I can ramble on and on to my dad. I know that there's not a succession of words I have to say to him to get a fatherly response. But let me tell you something. Sometimes that fatherly response is... Sometimes it is. And you, if, 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 if I did something stupid as a teenager, which I did quite often... The worst thing on the planet for me in school was the fact that my dad could check my grades online. I was a stellar human being, except I was a C student. I was a C-plus student, okay, but a C student nonetheless. And there's nothing I could say to my dad. There's no success. Like, Dad, you know, I just really, you know, had trouble because of this. No, no, your grades suck. You're smarter than this. But why did he do that? Because he knew that if I didn't create habits as a teenager, that going forward into the workplace, if I was doing things halfway, if I wasn't focusing on my job, if I wasn't taking care to do the best thing possible, that that one day would trickle in to habits I had as an adult. He didn't punish me or slap me on the side of the head or do whatever because I was doing, I said the wrong thing, which I'm sure I, you know, probably got hit for saying the wrong thing once or twice. But listen, it's because the outcome was more important to him than how I took it at the time. He was looking 10 years down the road that I would be a decent human being for society rather than listen, you know, I know you expect me to show you grace and mercy right now, but I'm I'm looking a little bit further down the road. I mean, let me tell you something. Now that I'm raising a crazy child, I have a confidence about me because I know that my dad treated me a certain way and looked down the road and that, listen, I know exactly what's going on here because I remember my dad did this to me and I didn't understand it at the time. And now suddenly I understand that when he said, because I said so, it should be the end of it. And it's, it's all beginning to make sense. And I have a confidence about me because I lived through it. I saw the outcome. It worked. And I don't need to have to look at my daughter one day and explain and care about her opinion on her grades. Because I went through it. I have a confidence about it because I've seen it play out. How many times have we sought God so, so hard for something? We prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And the answer was not what we thought it would be. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes it's not even a good answer. We may have prayed and prayed and prayed for somebody to be healed, and they weren't, and they passed away. 
And it's easy to look on the outside sometimes and say, well, they received their ultimate healing. Well, they're still not here with me now. And it hurts, and you ask God why. Why did this have to happen? But over time, when we have a confidence that, yes, this hurts right now. Yes, I'm going through this. No, I don't understand why. But I have a confidence about me that because I love Christ and trust in his will, that because I prayed for it and the answer was no, that it was still the right answer. And what's, what's even more reassuring to me is at the end when we say, and if we know that he hears us, or that he hears whatever we ask, we know that whatever we have, we've asked him for. So in other words, everything that we have, because we have trusted in God, and we have followed him and asked him that everything that we're in now that's wonderful and amazing is because of him. But let me flip that coin a little bit that we, these preachers on TV will never show you. Because if you have the confidence with Christ that everything wonderful you have is because of him, when we get into a mess, we'll be like, all right, God, I followed you. I'm in a mess. This is your mess. And that sounds like, oh, you just told God he made a mess. No, it's called relinquishing control. Sometimes we want to get in a mess and then just abandon ship with and I've never understood that human nature is to when everything's good and the checking account looks great and everybody's behaving we're like let's go to church and have fun and then when everything goes terrible we're like okay maybe not I feel like it should be the other way around but it's not so many times that we 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 get into a mess and we're like okay we're just you know abandon all hope and just you know, hope that something good happens, but, you know, God forbid I bring it before the Lord and Savior and Creator of the universe. I've heard so many times of people like, I can't afford to tithe. I'm like, dude, listen, I had a conversation with a buddy this week. He's like, and he, he went to the same ministry school that I went to, and he said, I need God to do something radical in my finances. I was like, well, do something radical with your finances for God. And he's like, I, he's like, I hear you, man. And I believe it. He's like, sometimes it's just so hard to do. I know it's going to work, but sometimes it, it still hurts writing the check sometimes. Sometimes it's still like, listen, God, I am literally putting all the eggs in your basket, and it is terrifying. And we think that because we're scared of an outcome that it makes us, that we have a lack of faith, that somehow we're not as dependent on God or we're somehow not as close to God because we're scared. No, we're scared because we're humans. Christ in the garden before he was crucified even said, Lord, if there's another way we can get around this, that would be fantastic. And let me tell you something. If Jesus had to go, Lord, I trust you. I'm going to go through with this, but I'm, I, this is not going to be pleasant. Uh, if you got another way, that would be fantastic. If Jesus had to do that, it's okay for us to do that. 100%. So often we feel that like, the confidence we have going before God doesn't come with any reservations. You know, uh, uh, Charlie, that uh, he's not here today, but Charlie jumps out of airplanes. Like he just does that. Perfectly good airplanes. I've never understood that. He's like, just a day at the office. I'm like, you need a new office, man. <laughs> But he jumps out of airplane and does he have a confidence that his parachute's gonna open. But guess what? It's still probably like, I just really hope this 
It's okay to be nervous and be confident at the same time. It can happen. I, when I proposed to my wife, I was sure she was going to say yes. But I, you could ask my family. I was an unpleasant human being that day because I was just my nerves were shot. I'm like, I know she's going to say yes. Nobody, nobody had any doubt that she was going to say yes, and not because of anything I did. I just, you know, think she really wanted to get married. But I'm just kidding. But like, I had a confidence about me. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, this is going to go terrible. I don't know what's. This is just. Oh my gosh. And it went fine. But that's nervous confidence. How can you have both at the same time? I don't know, but it happens. How can you be hot and cold at the same time? I don't know. It happens sometimes. Now, with this confidence we have before him whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I think that sometimes is the reason so many of us ask, how do I become better at praying because we think that we have to pray a certain way to even be heard. And I'm going to tell you with 100% confidence, because I've seen it, God has answered prayers that sometimes you, you, you think that just fell on everyone's deaf ears. That just, you didn't even really pray it. You're just like, God, I need I need help. And then suddenly it's just like, well, there you go. Sometimes the prayer is just, I have no idea what I'm doing, God. And it's just like, I got you, man. It's okay to not know. Because every professional athlete on the planet that's ever set a record one time had somebody go, this is terrible. What are you doing? Some coach was yelling at him and making him run laps. Every professional singer started off just missing every note on the planet. Everybody who started off with something was probably very, very terrible at it at one point in time. But guess what? You don't continue with a sport or with a hobby or with a passion because you're inherently good at it when you start out. You continue because you're in love with the process of growing and learning. If, you're not, if you quit something because you're not good at it, you're never going to be good at anything. That goes with every aspect of our life. And whether you believe in God or not, that is something that every secular self-help book will teach you. Every, every single guy on stage wearing the giant microphone, getting people excited with cowbells and whatnot to sell whatever. If you give up when it's hard, you will never get good. If you, it, it's something we teach over and over again, but somehow we don't apply it to our spiritual walk. We want to get ankle deep because we're afraid to swim. We want to stay in this safe zone with prayer and never really go deep. But let me tell you something. If you never, ever give it a chance, if you never, ever be willing to be terrible at something, if you never, ever are willing to say, listen, I'm relinquishing control, and if I crash, God, I'm crashing in your hands. Whatever the outcome Listen, this is this is your battle now. I got nothing left. And there's people in this room that said that exact same thing, and God completely spun their world around and changed it in ways that you could never even imagine. When you finally go, okay, I'm, 
I'm done here. You know, when, when I've when I've worked on cars before, I've and have a hard time, there's a saying that I say, I said, this is one match away from being an insurance claim and I'm done with it. And it's so easy sometimes to be like, it would just be easier if I just was done with this whole deal. You know, I've been fighting this battle over and over again, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm, we're just one match away from this being over with. We're just one decision away. Listen, I've, I've been fighting and fighting for someone's salvation for years, and you know what? It's just not going to happen, and I'm going to use my resources, time, and efforts elsewhere. I'm, I'm done. I've been working this same dead-end job for years and years and years and praying that God would open a door somewhere else, but you know what? I'm, I'm done with this. Just I'm going to die while working the same terrible job. Or I, 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 my, my granddad was an addict. My dad was an addict. I'm an addict. I'm sure my kids will be an addict. And this is just how life is going to be because I'm incapable of possessing the strength of moving forward. But when you hurdle something that big in your life, the confidence boost you have before God and understanding his will is like nothing you've ever experienced. You know, I've uh, one of the coolest things I ever had the opportunity of doing was I went whitewater rafting. And I was surprised when I went, because I thought it was going to be like a glorified tube in the hooch. Listen, I love tube in the hooch. I ain't going to lie. That's, it's, it's fantastic. But we went up to the Ocoee River in Tennessee, and I remember I was a senior in high school, and we get there, and I'm expecting it to be, like I said, like, oh, we're going to float in a boat. We're going to go down. It's, we'll take some pictures when it looks like. And the guy gets up and goes, all right, we've had a lot of rain this year. We're going to be hitting class four rapids about halfway through it. It's going to get pretty rocky, so I need you to do everything I tell you to do or somebody's going to get hurt. And I'm like, class four, isn't that like four out of five? And he's like, yeah. He's like, this is, this is, I was like, okay, are you just like a hype man that you're going to try to sell as a t-shirt? Like, I survived class four. But guess what? There was class four rapids. And I'm, I'm in a boat, and we're, we're going, and I'm like, this is crazy. I'm, and I weighed like 107 pounds at this point in my life. And this thing is throwing me around like nothing. I'm just bouncing back and forth, and I'm like, this is fantastic. And so we, we decided, you know, we, we got this. We're doing pretty good. We're going with the flow. And he's like, all right, we're about to go over a small waterfall. I'm like, bet, this is, this is awesome. I got this. We've been in class fours. I'll be fine. And he's like, listen, I need you all to pay attention. Don't, don't enjoy the waterfall. As soon as we hit the bottom, I need you to paddle like your life depends on it. I need you to go and fight and just push. And we're like, okay, cool, whatever. You know, this has been fun. Well, we get to the bottom of the waterfall and realize there was a whirlpool that you almost couldn't get out of. And it's not like we were in any immediate danger from the whirlpool because it was only like four or five feet deep. And I thought, oh, this is fun. We were spinning. He's like, paddle, paddle. And we're like, okay, whatever. And it's all of a sudden we turn around and I realize, hey, there's other boats coming over this waterfall. <laughs> and we tell him, and we make this way, and my big white head is suddenly staring at a big yellow raft that goes, wham! And what does he say? Yeah, that hurt, didn't it? Paddle! <laughs> he said, listen, when I tell you to do something, it's, it's, not a, it's not because I think that, you know, that won't, won't this be fun? 
It's because somebody can really get hurt if you don't listen to me. Because if you fall in the water at Class 4 Rapids, uh, once you're in the water, you're just pretty much, you just have to kind of hold on and just hope you don't hit your head. Which is hard for me to do because I got a big one. But it floats, fortunately, so. Look like if I had a red hat on, I'd look like a bobber going down there just. <laughs> but when you're dealing with something that's so much more powerful than you are, you need to be with somebody who's handled it before. When you're dealing with something and a new experience, it doesn't mean, now listen, I obviously survived. We made it through. It was fun. But you know what? Now I know, probably should listen to the river guide. Because he's been down this river over and over and over again. He's seen people get hurt. He's seen what happens when people didn't listen. And even though we think that we're in this tourist mindset that like, oh, well, this is if they let anybody do this, surely it can't be that dangerous. And maybe that sounds like, well, listen, I trust God and read the Bible. Surely he'll never let anything go wrong in my life. And we don't want to listen and take time and read and understand scriptures or find a mentor and let someone help us walk through a season in our life. Sometimes we don't want to let somebody who has confidence make us more confident. Sometimes it takes somebody who's been down a road time and time and time again to be able to reach and say, listen, I'm going to walk you through the road this time, but you've got you to listen to me. And then suddenly it's easier for you to go listen to somebody else. I've walked down here before. I promise it's going to be okay. Let me walk you through this. Confidence isn't only about you. Sometimes the confidence that you possess in your prayer life, in your spiritual walk, the confidence in your story. Maybe you went down a road entirely because somebody else may not have the strength to do it without your help. Maybe you could be the person guiding the group of teenagers down the river that you're like, listen, this is going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be kind of scary. But listen, if you do what I tell you to do, we're going to make it through just fine. And you're going to have a great story to tell. And I bet you'll want to come back. It might look like, listen, I've walked down a road that I promise you don't want to walk down. And if you listen to me, because I have confidence, you don't want to go down that road. And I've prayed and been here before. And I know that if you just take time to read your Bible or pray or seek God in this area, we can just skip this road altogether because I walked it so you don't have to. That's where confidence gets you in prayer. It's not about being able to have this huge, eloquent speech on stage that you prove how holy you are because you can use big words while you're praying. Nobody likes that guy at lunch. I'm going to say it. I remember when I was a kid, like, my dad is obviously a pastor, okay? So we went out to eat with other pastors all the time. And there was one, oh, he would pray for the pygmies in Africa and the water in China and global warming. And I'm like, dude, the food is getting cold. Like, do that on your own time, man. And some of y'all have been out to eat with me, and I've prayed for food. And I'm just like, thank you, Lord, for the food. Please bless it. Amen. And someone was like, that was an awful short prayer. I wasn't praying to you. (laughs) Because guess what? It's funny, and it's fun to say that, but I want you to listen. The way you pray, if you're worried about how other people hear your prayers, you're praying to the wrong person. 
If the eloquence in language, listen, God don't care about eloquence and language in big words and using fun terms and being able to quote the entire book of Revelation in a prayer. Because listen, I promise God is smarter than every person in this room and there is nothing you can do to prove how smart you are. And if we suddenly think that, oh, I don't pray very eloquently, you're worried about praying to the wrong person. I remember when I was in ministry school, like every class, they would always rotate who prayed for the class. And like it became where it was like a competition. And I would be like, they're like, and there's always a couple guys in the class that would like, you knew is because they'd be like, will you pray for us? He'd be like, of course. Like you had to take a deep breath to inhale for how much you were about to say. And I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Just pray that we learn something in this class. This is not a popularity contest. Because to me, you know what that looks like to me? That looks like to me when you're the guy who it's time to take up the offering and you're just taking, you know, a Hondo or like a 20, depending on your situation, and you're just, just, Lord, this gift is for you, and I'm giving it to bless your kingdom. And who are you? Are you really giving that to further your financial situation, or are you giving that to, you know, or to tie into God's financial plan for your life? Are you doing that to add a spiritual obedience, or you're like, hey, look, I have $100 of disposable income right here in cash. Clean, crisp Benjamins. You're worshiping the wrong person. And that goes with prayer. That goes with money. That goes with knowledge. That goes with mentorship. Why are you doing what we're doing? Are we doing it because we want to have an intimate, deep relationship with the God of the universe? Or are we doing that because we want to seem like we're better than somebody else because of how holy we can conduct ourselves? Because let me tell you something. The church was about that for a very long time. I've been to churches where it was all about the show, the lights, the mirrors. I've been to churches where it was all about how high your hair was. I've been to churches where it was all about how long the Sunday night service went. I've been to churches where, good Lord, if we did a Rise My Love drama, then the whole church was going to break out, and, and it, it was scripted. We've all seen that. And let me tell you something. Hype, listen, I love going to uh, loud Christian concerts. I love going to see big, huge, like Winterfest type events or passion or seeing huge groups of people that it is a great show. I love stuff like that. But my relationship with Christ is not dependent on one experience. And I have the confidence to know that the high you experience is not what carries you to salvation. Confidence. Spiritual confidence boils down to how much you trust God. How close are you to God? How hard are you seeking Him? That you know that whatever you pray for, if it's His will, will come to pass. How confident are you that no matter what the outcome is, it's the right outcome? That all the energy and effort you're putting into something is purely to further your relationship with Christ and to fulfill the Great Commission to tell the world about what He did. Confidence is not about listening to somebody pray a huge prayer and wishing you could be more like them. It's about loving God enough to every morning having 
some stream of consciousness, thought, prayer in your truck because you love God and you can't go a day without talking to him. The word I, I used to describe my prayer life that my dad totally stole from me, I call it contemplating. Where I'm just, I, that's, that's how I pray. I can't sit down and just like, you know, our Father who art in heaven, like, it's, that's not me. I, I, I bounce ideas off God, I feel like. And it's like, I can't, I definitely can't do it out loud because they would put a white coat on me and a shot in my arm and y'all never see me again. Because it just probably sounds like the ramblings of a madman. But fortunately, I serve a God, like I said, who is smarter than me that understands the ramblings of a madman like me. And I have the confidence to know that whatever I say, God is smart enough to take into consideration my ADD, my lack of elegance, my flaws, that when he created me with a purpose and plan, he created me to know that it's about a relationship and he doesn't care how fancy that relationship is. That's what confidence is about. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you that we have the opportunity to come to you on this beautiful day and worship you publicly and however we want. Thank you that you gave us what is perhaps the greatest privilege of all, the privilege of communicating with you. Thank you that you sent your son to die on a cross so that we could once again have a relationship with you. Lord, if there's somebody in here today that wants to seek you more and doesn't know how, I pray, Lord, that you would open doors and open their eyes and ears to see things that they've never seen before so that they may find you. I pray for the person in here who has lack, has a lack of confidence. The Lord, you would give them the strength and the ability to find their confidence in you. Bless us and keep us as we go forward this week and help us to always remember why we do what we do. And everybody said, amen.